Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are continuing our opponent previews uh, coming into the season, racing to try to get them all done before the season starts. A little bit behind, but we are getting caught up. Uh, to help me talk about the next opponent on our list here, the Oklahoma Sooners, I have Peyton Guthrie of the Keyhole Pod joining me today. Peyton, how you doing? Doing well, man. Having a hot summer down here. I know tomorrow it's supposed to be uh, 110 and then 112 uh, on Sunday. So southeast Oklahoma is starting to boil a little bit. But other than that, we're staying inside uh, just trying to keep alive. Just a little bit? I mean, it feels like that's boiling quite a bit. So, yeah. um, you know, meanwhile, contrast <laughs> that with us up here in uh, Kansas where, you know, I think today's high was like 80 or something like that. So um, I will take I will take our weather any day over the weather that you have. So. I, I lived in oh, Florida for, sure. for a while, for sure. though, so, like, the humidity going with that heat is just as yes. awful. So, All right, so let's go ahead. Um, first time you're coming on our show, and I, I really appreciate it. I've been over on your guys' yeah. show a few times uh, to kind of talk about the mm-hmm. Jayhawks, but um, Oklahoma, this is a team that, honestly, this is probably one of the years where I know the least about them that I normally do. Normally I have a good sense, right? They're, they're a very strong team that uh, has a lot of talent. And I, and I know last year you kind of, um, you know, I think most people going into the year last year saw that there was the potential for some problems with, you know, so much stuff being yeah. new and Lincoln Riley leaving. But I think most people, myself included, kind of just thought like they could take a step back, but they're not going to take a huge step back. Like they're still Oklahoma. They still have five-star talent like all over the place. But obviously last year was kind of a shell shock, I think, for a lot of people both in and outside of the fandom there. What, what's the feeling around Oklahoma fans and, and those that are, you know, around the Oklahoma program? How big of a deal was last year and how ready do they think they are to bounce back this year? I mean, well, last year was just a massive deal. And there's a lot of people around the program, a lot of reporters and, and beat people, and, you know, myself and, uh, you know, through the keyhole ourselves. We all basically chose to look at it 
from the good side of it, of saying like what you were saying, OU's talented, they recruit well, everything's going to kind of work out. Sure, there's probably some bumps, but they should be able to cruise by uh, talent alone. And then you saw a uh, the first losing season in uh, Oklahoma football program in 20-something years. That, that's an issue, uh, seven losses. Uh, and then it comes out through a, a FOIA request that uh, Brent and his contract had a, a, a win bonus of get to seven wins. Now, usually if you're expecting like big time college football, seven wins should just be like a no matter what type of a thing. But to, to know that's where Brent had his like big time win bonus for the regular season last year was just to get to seven. That does seem to be an issue. And maybe it's something him and the administration and the rest of the program kind of understood a little bit more. Uh, I think where we all got caught up on is that Brent is very positive when he speaks. He speaks with a lot of energy and like moves forward and he can say things that are negative, <laughs> uh, but you don't hear them that way. Um, Cause I believe last year, uh, big 12 media days, he talked about tearing it down to the studs and everyone was kind of thinking, Oh, he must mean schematically and so on and so forth. Uh, but what it really meant was, no, he's tearing the program down to the studs and you can tell how that uh, worked out for OU moving forward in, during that season. Now, again, OU had seven losses. Five of those were by uh, a single possession. You know, you, you flip around a couple of plays, Levy learns how to run the football or not take, you know, a three and out in eight seconds. OU probably wins two, maybe even three more games. Cause you know, tech runs out of time. West Virginia runs out of time. It's something of that nature. They didn't play really complimentary football. Um, but that said, I still think six and seven is probably an accurate reflection of what the team was because it doesn't matter if you're a team like Oklahoma that you won by the skin of your teeth nine times. Oklahoma is a top-tier blue blood college football program. It should be winning football games and dominating them. Um, in a much, much higher level than they uh, were, even under Lincoln Riley. I mean, we talk about uh, him scoring 40, 50, 60 points a game, but he would still win, you know, 60 to 55. You know, it's like, oh, he wasn't quite uh, putting something down that says we are Oklahoma. Um, Brent is trying to change that with the uh, change in the philosophy when it comes to recruiting uh, along the defensive line, uh, defensive backfield, just kind of get larger across the board. Uh, but we're hoping that that is going to start showing dividends my assumption is though is that that dividends will start showing in 2024 <laughs> in the first year in the sec um i just don't know if this team is ready uh this current big 12 uh, media day i believe brent said there's like 65 to 67 players of the 85 that's their either their first or second year in the program so it's a very young or maybe new uh, team still once you start adding in transfers maybe not be young all the way but still a lot of people need to be caught up and sped up into that uh the program into these schemes and systems they have to kind of play around and then you kind of have to hope as OU fans do that Brent and Levy have kind of learned their lessons being a rookie head coach and a rookie full-time play caller like Levy was someone who installed systems at his old places and he but he didn't call the plays every single you know down to down he's doing the alcohol He's the head coach of offense at Oklahoma, so he had a lot of learning stuff last year. And so you're hoping they took their bumps and bruises last year, and now they've changed. And this is now going to be as a floor. If you look at the schedule, uh, you know, an eight, nine, ten win team, um, just potentially based on the talent they have. That said, this is why you play the football games. A couple of dudes get hurt. OU's not all the way deep yet. 
things can happen. So, I mean, that's kind of like putting a, as much of a bow on last year and kind of where we are currently that I can put on it. It's just that the team was a lot thinner than we thought, and the difference makers just weren't there like they had been in the past for uh, the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I think I think going into last year, a lot of people would take it for granted just how much Oklahoma's you know advantage over to other teams was their depth and their high quality depth, and they didn't have that last year. You know, you don't, you know Dylan Gabriel no. goes down at the quarterback position. You don't really have a backup that you can count on to win you a game. Um, you know, obviously it was great that he came back, and I, I wish he hadn't come back so quickly and played against the Jayhawks, but um, you know. They have still upper level talent, like frontline starting talent the same. But yeah, there's a lot of questions about, you know, how are they doing things differently? The defense has been an issue for a really long time at Oklahoma, like a lot yes. longer than I thought it ever would have been. Um, you know, so much so that defense was a meme at Oklahoma, like for a long, like for, for quite a while when Lincoln Riley was there. Um, that, you know, a, a, like that was the thing, right? Like we know that their offense is going to be good. He's the quarterback whisperer, but. Are they going to be able to field a defense? It wasn't quite to the level of you know Texas Tech defenses with Patrick Mahomes, but it was still it was still pretty bad. So the the fact that I thought they they took a step forward defensively last year, even just incrementally, and the question is going to be how big of a step can they take this year? How much more can they improve that? And will that allow them to kind of take this step forward? I still have questions about this offense though. Like, is it going to be able to be consistent? They definitely had some some streaky you know times back and forth all kind of all over the place and so mm-hmm. um you know let's let's go ahead and dive in because like you said like last year it feels like it was an aberration to some extent to some extent but i also don't know that we learned enough about brent venables and his staff and what they're trying to do um to say for certainty that it's all going to bounce back this year so looking at the offense what what do you expect this offense to look like this year obviously venables is not known for his offense, because he's a defensive guy, a, a defensive coordinator. Um, yeah. But with Dylan Gabriel coming back, like, what is the expectation? Who, who are you expecting to be the big contributors for, for this offense? Well, the the great thing for for Brent Venables is that he gets to take the test a second time, because the questions that this team has is basically the exact same questions last year had. Who is on the defensive line? Who are your difference makers at wide receiver? Who do you have playing in the backfield? Those are the exact same questions OU has today as they walk into the season that starts in 15 uh, 15 days for Oklahoma, I believe. Like That's where we are. He gets to take those exact same questions again. But this time he has different personnel, different people, and experience to potentially, you know, kind of hopefully ace the questions. Uh, But just talking specifically about the offense, yes, Dylan Gabriel is back. He's hopefully will be the steady uh, hand in the offense. I personally do not believe him to be a program difference maker or a team difference maker. He just needs to be a, a po- you know, the, the term, the point guard of the offense to sort of drop. His job is to get the ball out to, you know, physical athletic freaks and allow them to do things. He himself is not Caleb Williams, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, you know, that type of thing. He is, I need to get the ball out to the guys go there. Uh, his biggest issue is his deep ball. I mean, Levy wants to score from afar. Like that's his whole. That's the whole gimmick: is score far, score far. You know, they they kind of uh, fancy themselves as like the Golden State Warriors, where it's like I'm shooting threes. If I make forty percent of them, we win. 
congratulations. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what you've done. Uh, now, the issue with the Golden State Warriors is they had two of the greatest shooters of all time, and they had, uh, you know, uh, 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 Draymond Green there, you being the back row than the defense. So they have obviously players. It's not just schematic, as we saw last year. FOU had a great scheme, uh, according to SP Plus, a top 10 offense, even while being extremely streaky. And is projected to be a top 10 offense again. This is OU fans are used to being number one offense. So the, even just dropping from one to 10, it's just a massive, massive drop within ratings, uh, maybe not necessarily within rankings. Uh, but Dylan Gabriel is going to be your steady hand. I do not expect him to be like a game breaker type of thing. It, it's probably something like three touchdowns, a pick, 250 yards, you know, type of a thing. He's, that's the sort of game he should be producing for OU. I don't expect him to be throwing for 500 yards or 300-plus yards. It's going to be uh, you know, maybe like a, a Sam Bradford off game. It, that's what Dylan Gabriel should be producing every single game at that point in time. The thing that may change for him, though, in Levy with Dylan Gabriel is that this year you have Jackson Arnold. You have a five-star freshman prospect who, uh, according to what I've seen and heard, so I've also seen it with my own eyes on the computer screen, is a physical phenomenon. He's very strong, very good, knows how to throw the football, has played in this style of offense in, throughout his entire high school. This is a complete step into it. That said, obviously, the types of players he's playing with and against is different. I mentioned Jackson Arnold, not in that he should be pushing Dylan Gabriel for a starting job or anything, but it does allow Levy to say, now we can start running the quarterback more. That is a big part of the Levy bear raid offense is having that QB run game and playing true 11 on 11 uh, football instead of 10 on 11, allowing the defense to have one plus one on you. This allows you to play one on one. Uh, again, I guess we're going, uh, another basketball kind of analogy there uh, allows him to have more running lanes. Last year, after he got hurt, they basically shuttered that. Like it was not going to happen. Once he came back, he was very rarely uh, running. Those were mainly scrambles at that point in time. Uh, the running game wasn't as much. I would expect him to get five seven carries a game uh, at this point in time out of zone reads or like called power plays or something of that nature. That being said, the strength of this OU team is going to be its offensive line and its two running backs, Javante Barn and uh, Gavin Salchuk. Those are the two strongest guys on the team. Those are 1A, 1B types of running backs. Barnes is your power back. Gavin Salchuk, if you watch the uh, Florida State Bowl game, is your slasher and dude who can score. It, I won't know if it's quite Thunder Lightning because I don't think Barnes is like a big rumble-tumble guy, but he seeks contact, and he tries to uh, really, really put a damage on people. And I think the game plan for Levy is going to be to wear down defenses with this run game. My hope is that if OU has 10 offensive possessions, eight of them are running plays with site wide receiver screens and some stuff like that kind of added in there and maybe like two true passing plays. I mean, if OU is getting away with it, they're not going to have to pass very often. They're going to be able to kind of steamroll some stuff across the board uh, for that manner. Uh, your your auxiliary players, like the tight end H-back position, which is extremely helpful under Lincoln Riley, you know, Dimitri Flowers, things of that nature, being able to get open and pop passes and then the flats, those are kind of non-existent in this bear raid, but they do have Austin Stoddard coming back. You know, Braden Willis last year played a lot of the Wildcat quarterback and also uh, had a great year for OU moving forward and blocking. Uh, they have Austin Stoddard coming back, transferring back from South Carolina. 
which doesn't truly happen too often when you transfer away from a school and then come back to that same school. Uh, but he has had health injuries himself, you know, health, you know, uh, uh, risk himself throughout the years of being nicked up and everything. If he can't play every single game, that position basically doesn't exist. Uh, they, they might as well roll out a sixth offensive lineman at that point in time. So, and Stogner himself is more of a pass catching guy. So it will be interesting to see how Levy uses Stogner. Um, I don't expect him to have a big year. I expect him to maybe have like 15, 20 catches on the year. True blanket type of a guy, maybe something schemed up. But I don't know if, if there's going to be something there kind of regardless. And then the position uh, group that may be the, the, the hardest part for OU moving forward because anyone can say run game. Like, hey, if the offensive line gels, you hand the ball off, you get it taken care of. Yeah. But for the bear rate to really work, you have to take the top off for that stuff to kind of work. And OU doesn't have anyone who really strikes fear into opposing you know defenses at this point in time. You would say Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops. And uh, Farouk is fast, but they keep saying he's a Percy Harvin-type player. I do not believe he's that type of player, but he may be used in that type of role, which means he'll be lining up in the backfield. He'll be lining up in that H-back spot, slot, taking jet sweeps taking tunnel screens, like the idea of we're getting him to ball as quickly as possible and then allowing him to be a runner uh, as fast as we can. If that's true, and then you have Drake Stoops as your your intermediate guy, your five- to eight-yard pass guy, and same thing for Stogner probably, it's it's like a BB gun offense. You don't have the howitzer back there. You don't have someone who's taking the top off. So they're hoping Anthony, um, a transfer from Michigan coming into uh, OU, who had one great game against Michigan State and then basically never played after that he can be an experience coming in to take the top off he is very fast he has a body type to it uh, but for this to really work what OU needs is a Jazzway Petaway who is a four-star um, wide receiver out of the I believe the Waco Texas area uh, please no one you know no one like <laughs> persecute me if I'm wrong there uh, freshman who's just a blazer, extremely fast. Uh, same thing for Gavin Freeman and Brennan Thompson. Brennan Thompson, who played for Texas last year, is transferring over, who was on the Texas track team, who produces Olympic track stars. <laughs> so you're hoping those guys can be the fast guys who take the top off, but you're expecting on a former walk-on, a true freshman, and a, uh, I believe a sophomore who had like four catches for Texas <laughs> to, to play major downs and, and try to be someone who's a difference maker. Uh, a hidden name would be Nick Anderson, who is the younger brother of Rodney Anderson. A great, great uh, athletic genes there, but he shares the same genes as in he just cannot stay healthy. Uh, he's healthy currently. Uh, he's got the body type. He's got the physical prowess to be able to make differences, but it's just kind of a bunch of names. There's no one who's truly proven at this point in time to kind of move forward. And I guess the lastly is on the offensive line. I really have zero issues here. Uh, it sounds weird because OU loses both tackles uh, to the NFL, but you got Walter Rouse, you uh, you know, uh, transfer coming in. You have Tyler Guyton uh, is going to uh, handle stuff, and in the middle of the offensive line should be pretty strong. Uh, the only thing I have maybe an issue with is the center Andrew Rame, um, who's had some ifs if he kind of camp there's been some you know talking of other people taking first team snaps and stuff so that one might be uh something to keep an eye on but if you're going to put some money on a position coach at the university of oklahoma right now doing that with bill Bedenboe would be a smart thing uh to do that he'll get it figured out with his five but when it comes to the offense i guess to sum that up i, I went really long is no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, the offensive line will probably be good 
they got two really good running backs and then who knows after that <laughs> so yeah, well, it should and, be a very that, heavy rushing game jives with my you know high level evaluation I, I try to you know read up on as men as much of these teams as i can before i jump in so that i can contribute to the conversation and like you know offensive line Oklahoma never has an issue with the offensive line. They've had great offensive lines for a really long time. Like you might be able to say that they don't haven't had an elite one every year, but they generally have a way above average one. And when you have 20 guys in the offensive line room, I'm I'm pretty sure if you've got a, you know, a line coach who's worth anything, he can find five guys that are going to be able to play well. So, um, yeah, I'm not worried about the offensive. My main, I mean, the issue for OU, good, good. The issue for OU on offensive line the last few years, uh, and I'm going to use a term coined by a Red Dirt Sport. If uh, you guys really want to follow a good uh, uh, Twitter handle for OU football, Red Dirt Sports is the best one. Uh, the offensive line has been basically furniture movers for the last five years. You know, this isn't the same line that Kyler Murray was behind of Cody Ford and uh, oh man, who's the one, who's the guy who's on the Ravens now? Um, Orlando. I can't. I, I cannot believe I'm blanking out on this. But those are the guys who draw a couple personal foul penalties a game. Like they just beat the hell out of people. Orlando like they Brown, were rough. The They're gr- Orlando Brown Jr. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very, he was very the rough, chief, which is why I remember. So. Uh, <laughs> so the dogs are going crazy. Oh, no, they just got home, but they don't have that type of player. They've got people who can move people schematically. But maybe they're not necessarily punching the uh, defensive ends, you know, neck uh, as they're on the ground. So that's just kind of the difference there. Yeah. So, so you talk about how in order for this offense to be really successful, they need to have that deep threat. I mean, it almost seems though like it's a double whammy of you know uncertainty there because you have a quarterback who has known issues with going downfield. Like I, I think everybody at this point knows he he had some issues going downfield when he was at UCF. He had some issues last year going downfield, especially with any kind of accuracy, Um, you know, but then you also have wide receivers. Like you said, there are no good names. Like you don't have a Marvin, you know, a a Marvin Mims that, you know, you're going to be able to get a bunch from him and he's going to be able to take someone deep. A a team like Kansas who has a very strong secondary coming back um, that can handle, you know, whatever deep threat they try to throw, unless it's a guy who really breaks out early in the year. That makes it a lot harder, right? When, when you're relying on that running game, but you don't have a passing game to kind of take that pressure off. It happened to Kansas a lot in the last, you know, decade and a half is that they really had a running game that was very strong. They had really good running backs, but everybody could key in on them. And so I do worry about that if I'm, you know, if I'm an Oklahoma fan of, do we have enough? Can we take enough pressure off that a team like Kansas doesn't, you know, stack eight or nine in the box and come after your running backs and, you know, cause some problems there. Now, granted, I, I think Oklahoma has the guys that they can shuffle in and out to try to, to figure out some of those issues, especially, you mm-hmm. know, on the field as they go. The real question, though, of course, becomes, you know, I don't know, like you said, I don't know that Dylan Gabriel does enough to elevate everybody else to get that offense back to where they need to be. So I think he's probably the biggest question mark for me is, are you going to get the kind of play from Dylan Gabriel that you need to improve all the other parts of the offense. And I just don't know that he, that, that he can do it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at OU from this, the uh, efficiency statistics, OU was a top 10 on first and second down. <laughs> and then I believe a top 110 on third and fourth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. they were just a completely different football team uh, in the money down, so to speak, when things had to happen uh, on those free downs to, to, for a lack of a better term, or you had, had a little more space or something, uh, 
OU was able to operate, but when things had to be very precise, had you know, you had to move somebody to pick up the third and three or something like that, uh, OU really struggled with. And OU, uh, you know, and maybe that's potentially schematically, that's just like a an off a side effect of this of the scheme of the idea of like, hey, we want to try to score from seventy yards out. Because what happens when you're on, you know, the fifteen or the ten, and right. you're trying to score? Everything gets really small. You know, you're in a phone booth, like you, you know, that that doesn't quite, you know, drive you know, well. Even if you're with like situational a, football, even if you're like a like a third and one from your own forty-two yard line, like yeah. you're trying yeah. to pick up that first down, you're not going for the huge chunk plays. And some teams like Texas Tech will go for it anyway because they're going to go for it on fourth down. But you know, if if you change yeah. the goal, if you're if you're trying to stretch stuff out and make space so that you can take advantage of those spaces, then you have to condense it to try to get a very short gain, whether it's because there's not much room left on the field or because you just need that first down. It completely changes the way that you play. And I think there are yeah, a lot of teams completely. that struggle with that, and, and I'm not surprised that a defensive coach like Brent Venables is, you know, potentially um, doesn't have the system set up in his first year, right, as a head coach to be able to, to switch like that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think there's as much room to talk about the growth of the coaching staff scheme wise this year, as there is for the, the growth of the, of the offense. I do want to switch over to the defensive side, but before we do yeah. that, I need, I need to throw it to a quick break. We will be right back on the rock chalk podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. I am here with Peyton Guthrie of the Keyhole Pod talking about the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, already talked about the offense and kind of the questions there. Obviously, with Brent Venables being a defensive guy and the defense being at least somewhat decent last year, how do you expect that unit to to step up, and, and what do you expect to kind of be the big storylines there? Well, if you, if you were paying attention to the transfer portal, uh, OU took in a lot of big people. Uh, and that was just a, a big issue OU had last year. Uh, in the seven losses, they um, averaged giving they gave up 250 yards on the ground. Uh, in the wins, they gave up, I think, around 125. So, I mean, there's just a difference there when you're giving up 
double the amount of rushing yards from winning when his losses. Uh, oddly enough, I believe the passing yards were pretty much the same across the board, uh, which maybe it means the secondary was just bad consistently, or <laughs> or the offense or defense line wasn't allowing. Uh, you know, it wasn't getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, once OU got out of non-conference play, um, you know, Grimes and Downs basically disappeared. And those are your two starting ends last year. Uh, it looks like uh, Grimes and Downs will not be your starters more than likely uh, coming into the season. So that tells you immediately when Brent Venables, again, at the Big 12 Media Days, was talking about competitive depth, that now you've got guys who were starters last year who are now on the two deep. You know, it shows you, like, the team is progressing. It is uh, becoming a more robust raw, especially on the um, the defensive line. And you're also two years removed from an Alex, Alex Grinch system, where everyone was like 275, 280. And now if you look across the board, uh, all your inside guys are 300 plus. I mean, it's that's just helpful. I mean, you know, being big isn't like the end all be all, but sometimes when you're not as easy to move, uh, that's helpful. You're not getting pushed at the point of attack. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, Rondell Buffalo coming in from way. <laughs> Undersized yep. defenders are not very, yeah. uh, are not nearly as effective. <laughs> Kansas fans are well aware. <laughs> And then on the uh, on on the end, you have a you have a transfer Rondell Bothroyd coming in from Wake. You have Trace Ford coming in from Oklahoma State. Uh, Trace will probably only play on uh, the pat you know obvious passing downs. He has health injury. He has health uh, you know issues uh, himself throughout his history. Uh, but if he can stay healthy and OU can use him as like a package player, that's a great third and long guy to try you know to trot out there and say your job is to bend the edge and get to the quarterback that's something he can do uh then bothroyd will be out there the entire time uh he was a great player for where he was before coming into oklahoma now uh hopefully be able to continue that career trajectory uh uh, they also have pj adobare who's a five-star freshman uh who does not look like a freshman Uh, i i project him to play some uh, as OU's like rotating this stuff through uh, in in the uh, you know rotational uh, defensive line, because as we've seen in the Big Twelve, it's not quite the same hyper speed as it used to be. You know, defenses do have times to kind of roll in and kind of stay fresh, and OU now has the chance to stay fresh. Now, uh, if you look at some defensive snap uh, counts last year, OU had um, well Danny Stutzman and I think the other uh, maybe Deshaun White, I believe, had like were like number one and number three in snaps played in all of college football. Like they just did not have anyone else to play at those positions. And, and now they do. And that's just going to be helpful there. Um, so OU being able to rush the passer organically and be able to stand up in the middle of the defense, defensive line, I believe you're going to see that happen. Maybe it won't happen the same way as like the early Bob Stoops teams or something like that, or where you're like, oh, these guys are all – first round draft picks like this sucks <laughs> to play against some it won't be at that level but i think they're going to be much more they're going to be closer to an average above average defensive line when before they were a below average offensive uh, defensive line uh, excuse me uh last year and if anyone's listening to this and you're related to an OU defensive player who played last year i'm sorry that's just the facts of, of the situation the thing that will be interesting for ou and OU fans if you're listening to this i'm sorry it's where they play the defensive line schemes. Are they playing that four down front or three down front? Now, OU fans across the board seem to hate the three down front, even though it seems to be where they got most of their uh, success. <laughs> but it's just the idea of less beef on the field. But 
They also just didn't have defensive ends who could play. <laughs> uh, but now they do seem to have some uh, guys who can play that defensive ends. And also I think they can handle that 3-3 a little bit better because, like I said, all those guys now that no tackle uh, defensive ends as they shade to the inside to maybe play like a tight package uh, as everyone's shading into the inside uh, a three eye I believe position they're all three hundred plus like they're all just bigger you can fill the gaps and allow people to move uh, behind you move through the rest of those gaps a little more effectively to kind of push through that is where it all is going to end and be for Oklahoma next year does the defensive line stand up nothing else matters at any one point in time. If you're not seeing OU get pressure on quarterback organically without Brent Venables having to scheme up a five-man pressure or a six-man pressure, it does not matter anything else that's going forward. Uh, the linebackers are headed up by Stutzman again. Uh, and then it's kind of like who who's next to him. Like ev- everything seems that Danny Stutzman has made the leap. You know, last year, you know, Brent Venables was saying like Danny Stutzman didn't even have a playbook. And now this year he's breaking down the team and he's running the defensive uh, practices and defensive uh, drills. So it's a major leap in maturity level, which when you're coming to that linebacking position, sometimes that's all it is. It's the maturity to know where things are happening, watching tape, you know, making sure all that stuff, making sure the guy next to you is lined up where he needs to be uh, because defense, you have to play everyone on the string. You know, it, it's everyone needs to know where you are, where you're moving. Uh, but the next thing comes, who's sitting next? To, uh, Stutzman. Is it Canick? Is it Kip Lewis? Is it Kobe McKenzie? Brent Venables really, really, really loves to talk about Connor Near, uh, a transfer from a D2 school, I believe, uh, which scares me, but maybe he's got a really strong head on his shoulders about how defensive structure should play. But uh, that position there is Danny Stutzman, and then game one against Arkansas State, we'll kind of see for sure who's going to be next to him. Um, I'll toss it into the, uh, the, the linebacking position, uh, the cheetah position that uh, Brent Venables calls it. So if, if you guys aren't familiar with the cheetah position, it's basically a combination of defensive end, like a stand-up rush defensive end, Sam linebacker, and strong safety all combined into one player. Uh, the most famous example at Clemson was the Isaiah Simmons, uh, who played at 6'4", 240, I believe, uh, and could run a 4'4". McCullough is similarly built. Maybe he's not running a straight sub four four, but he's also like I believe laser timed at four five ish four 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 something. So he's quick, move can move, but he hasn't been asked to cover in his college career. He's going to play more like a true Sam linebacker, positioning from a stand up edge to allow OU to give you a four man front, even when then we have three down linemen or a five man front when they're playing a four two five positioning that uh, that roamer that star player as a cheetah position if they want to do that. And again, I'm sorry. My dogs must have like no, heard no, the wind fine. or something. Uh, <laughs> They're the, one of the least. So that's where it's going to come. There, I've had on the podcast. So fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> uh, so Deshaun could allow OU to have a little more organic star power when it comes to rushing the quarterback because that's what he did really well at Indiana. Uh, but in that cheetah position, that can allow him to drop into zones or to maybe pick up a tight end. I do not want to see him chasing tight ends down the seam. I do not believe that his, is his strength at his size and you know quick burst ability. I would rather him be closer to the line and allowing OU to bring more pressure. And then the secondary, 
I honestly have zero issues secondary. This may be I may be the only OU fan's going to tell you this. OU has Gentry Williams, who's a star recruit, who's his second year in the program. They got Woody Washington, who's going to is their best cornerback. They have Billy Bowman, who's their best secondary player, fully healthy. They have uh, Reggie Pearson, transfer from Tech, who's basically a headhunter uh, back there, and it's going to be they're going to be able to cover people and they're going to be able to hit people. I'm totally fine with the secondary. You can clip this once they give up 50,000 touchdown passes. Uh, but as I am right now, the starting line of the secondary, I believe in 100% completely. And then you have guys like Peyton Bowen and Key Lawrence. Now Peyton Bowen's a five-star recruit who had committed to Oregon, didn't send in his paperwork, then uh, recanted and committed to uh, uh, Oklahoma like two days later. So he was able to get a five-star uh, safety uh the same school that Jack uh, uh, Arnold went to, so it's, it's good. Good there, didn't uh, didn't Geyer, uh, and Key Lawrence is a, a veteran of that position himself. Uh, they're set and ready to go on the, on the defensive uh, secondary. That's going to be, I believe, will be something that people will be a little confused about because <laughs> OU has been known for giving up big bus plays and guys running free down the sideline. I do not see that happening this year. Now. If a quarterback has five to seven seconds to throw the football, sure. Right, uh, right. But, but if I, any quarterback I do, has I do that believe, long, yeah. you're right. Now, okay. Exactly. So, so I mean, look, looking at this, because I, I think you talked a lot about, you know, being strong up the middle. Kansas plays a completely, I think, different style from that. Like, they play a lot on the edges. They do a lot yes, of, like, yeah. rolling out of quarterbacks. They do a lot of misdirection. They do a lot of different things that could potentially cause some issues. And I know that like last year, you know, Jason Bean yeah. being the starter last year, um, you know, yes, they, they, well, actually they played, I thought fairly well in the first half and then got closer in the second half, obviously couldn't stop Oklahoma from scoring at all. But I, I mean, I look at that game and it seems like that game was a lot closer than a lot of people want to think that it was because you look at a 10, you know, a 10 point final margin and, and yes, Kansas scored late to bring it back. But you look at what Kansas had to deal with, with guys being gone and their best cornerback getting injured early in the, or late in the first half and like all of the kind of things around there. And then what Kansas did to Oklahoma in Lawrence two years ago, like how much worry is there about the way that Kansas specifically matches up with this Oklahoma team with some of the unique things that they can do? Now you do, yeah, you do mention that, uh, the offensive like difference there, uh, Spread offenses are mainly going to be running out of the run game uh, because of just how the uh, how the uh, uh, I'm sorry my mind's shutting down how the running back is aligned with the quarterback. Most of most of the spread run game is through that a gap. They're trying to immediately get into the center. Uh, the it just takes too long for them to get to the edge. And so if you see a lot of like um, uh, uh, sp- anti spread. Defenses, to speak. Let's look at Iowa State and what they do with the uh, with their inverted Tampa two type of situation. They give you a soft edge. Like they're 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 trying they're putting stuff in the middle. It's where that tight defensive lineman uh, uh, formation comes from. Iowa State now LSU uses it. Uh, uh, basically, everyone still stole it. Now uh, they basically block the middle of the line and say, "Run to the edge." We do not care because we know you don't do it. <laughs> you know, it's like a spread offenses just don't run to the edge. Right. That's why a lot of spread offenses, and if you watch OU, they're doing a lot of like, you know, Drake Stoops is taking a, a reverse or there's a jet sweep because that's how you get to the edge in this type of in the bear rate offense. Kansas has like basically a perfect counter punch yeah. <laughs> out on the offense. 
for most anti-spread defenses because, like you said, they want to get to the edge. Their entire offense is built around, we don't have the big, giant, huge dudes up front who can just push you around. So just run around them. And it's great for Lance to, to have scheme that way because, I mean, no disrespect in any way, shape, or form for a Kansas football team, it's not recruiting at a level in which you can say, we got the Jimmy and Joes. We're just oh, going right, to run right. through like, it, dude. You know, it's, just, not, it's just not how not it pulling, is. Right. They're not pulling five-star offensive linemen. Like, no. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea of like, hey, we're going to run to where you're not, <laughs> that's fantastic. And to do that within an option thing, so one, you're stressing the defense by running to where they're not or where they're allowing you to run, but then having them, then like creating force players where they have to make a decision, it's, it's just great football. And seeing some of these teams play Kansas early last year, and I want to be honest with you, I picked Kansas to win six games last year, uh, so I feel very happy about hey, that. Uh, me too. I was like, let's go. Let's <laughs> do it. Uh, is I was just kind of clicking through. I was like, I like Lance. I think he can do it. And, and it was very. And once they won two or three, I was like, Yeah, they're going. They're going all the way. But they're, they're doing this. Uh, and I think I think in our uh, our show, I actually have them going seven and five. Um, you know, just based on schedule and stuff. I think things would be good if the defense can come from oh, yeah. like the nineties to like the seventies. You're winning ball games because uh, the offense. You're going to have the best quarterback and the best running back in the in the conference. How much yeah. does that matter? We'll find out if they both stay healthy. But uh, how OU handles that, that, I will say this. The names of Sean McCullough, Billy Bowman, and Reggie Pearson, their jobs are going to be coming down the alley and trying to murder a running back. <laughs> if they do it uh, enough times, it's going to help out uh, OU football as they play this Kansas game. Uh, or if the edges are able to get really good containment on Daniels, uh, that will be helpful. That said, Daniels uh, – you have to play contain against him. You really can't rush hardcore at him because he's going to break containment, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, damn, there went 20 yards very quickly. Uh, you have to turn him into a straight passer. But he's good. I mean, he's, yeah. a, in my opinion, hands down, well, and then add not in, listen to national media about the Texas quarterback. Oh gosh, you yeah. have the best quarterback. <laughs> I mean, add in, add play, in the, the Jason Bean factor, right? Like, this year they have yeah. they've already yeah. talked about having a lot more dual quarterback looks. You know, if you have the option where you run that reverse and it's Jason Bean running the reverse <laughs> and he can pull up and throw, like, that adds so many different wrinkles. So I will be extremely excited to see what Andy Kotelnicki does. And I think that is kind of the unknown for this particular game, right, coming up against Oklahoma is are they able to shut down the edge considering they are so geared towards shutting down the inside? Um, Kansas, yeah, it has that counterpunch where they do things – a lot differently than a lot of other teams do because they have the ability to do it with all the different guys that they have. Um, so, so coming into, I, I would normally go through the entire schedule, but honestly, like looking at a lot of these teams, there's, there's way too many teams that we just don't really know what we're going to get um, from them. And so like, I could, you, I wouldn't be shocked if you said that Oklahoma is going to struggle and go seven and five this year. Or if you said, I mean, yeah, the only real for sure challenge they have is, you know, against Texas, like, I wouldn't be shocked by either of those just because we don't know enough. I think about Oklahoma. We don't know enough about a lot of the teams that they're playing this year. Um, so, I mean, do, do you want to throw out what you think is going to happen for this Oklahoma team in terms of how many games they're going to win, how many games they're yeah. going to potentially I mean, I, give away? We, yeah, we have a, a pu we have public uh, predictions out there uh, for the full Big 12. 
Uh, like I said, I have a, I believe I'm going to pull up on our Instagram uh, at Keyhole Pod if, or Keyhole Sports on Instagram. Right. Um, let me do that right now. So I've got Kansas 7-5. and five. I actually have the wins and losses, but I don't have them on a computer right now. Uh, now, this I do host an OU Homer podcast. Oh, of course. Of <laughs> so course. we're looking at the rosy disposition of all. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, I think OU has the ability. I have publicly said OU is going 11-1. That means everything good happens for OU. That means everything breaks their way. If you were to look at their schedule, if I were to take this Oklahoma Sooners hat off, okay. OU's going 9-3. and three. <laughs> I, I, There's two losses immediately in my mind. You look at Texas, you look at TCU, who I think TCU is going to be better than what is expected of them to be. And then they probably trip up at Provo uh, at that That's a travel game to Utah at that point in time. Uh, potentially it will be a late, late kickoff. Uh, but I'm putting the hat back on, Oklahoma City hat back on. Uh, they go 11-1, they lose to Texas, and then they end up playing Texas Tech in the Big 12 Championship. Texas Tech is going to go 10-2, and and we'll tie Texas, but we'll have a head-to-head victory over Texas, uh, giving us a 2008 tiebreaker situation all over again. And uh, Texas Tech and Oklahoma will close out your, big, your, uh, your current rendition of the Big 12 before Texas and OU move on to the, uh, to the SEC. See, but I'm, I'm surprised. Kansas I'm surprised. Seven and five. I was to say, I'm surprised that you know you didn't uh, throw the the podcast audience here a bone and say you know they'll go eleven and one, lose to Kansas, and then demolish Texas in the, in the Big Twelve Championship. So, um, I mean, you know, I, I I think though, like to be honest, this is one of those games that I have circled as a probably yeah. a loss for Kansas, but a really good chance for them to get the upset because it's going to be yeah. in Lawrence. Yeah. You know, you're going to have. Barring, of course, any any huge injury issues one way or another for mm-hmm. either team, you're going to have a Kansas team that matches up. And, I mean, especially after what they did two years ago. Like, if the defense is the, – the, the defense has a capability right now to play the way that they did two years ago and cause Oklahoma some problems, especially if they have not, you know, ironed out their issues wide receiver-wise. Um, yeah. And so I, I do think that Oklahoma is probably going to take a – kind of out of nowhere, what the heck is going on right now, loss, just because I think every yeah. Big 12 team is going to take one of those, honestly. Hey, it's, like, and it's OU, it's OU tradition. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, like, I think every team in this Big 12 is going to take a loss that's like, what the mm-hmm. heck just happened because that makes absolutely no sense. Um, with the exception yeah. of, you know, like maybe yeah, okay. Cincinnati if, if they lose all of them because I think that that potentially makes sense. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throw those Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, the only the team I have really, really, really – bothering me now is West Virginia. I have them going one and 11. Uh, I do not think Neil Brown makes it through the non-con. Uh, they play Penn state and Pitt. I believe. I think he just, they just, I think he wins the one FCS team they play, then loses horribly to those teams. And they say, okay, we have to pull the trigger. <laughs> uh, I think that's what happens for that team. It just kind of folds up shop from that point in time. But if, if you're a Kansas fan and you're trying to keep track of Oklahoma potentially, or trying to keep track from other big 12 teams, you need to watch what happens uh, OU SMU and OU Cincinnati. If uh, OU is winning that Cincinnati, uh, sorry, SMU game like 55 to 48 or something like that, and then they kind of get pushed around a little bit by Cincinnati, then you maybe start thinking, hey, this game in Lawrence is probably closer to a 50-50 than 60-40, 70-30, than what maybe yeah. what we're thinking about. Uh, those are two, I think, very well uh, games that you can kind of test the uh, metal of Oklahoma very quickly. Um, if the only time you watch Oklahoma is the Texas game, uh, don't bother. It's these are two giant teams. Red River's always weird. Texas should be the most talented team. It, 
is the most talented team right, right. in the Big 12 with the Bulls. That hasn't really meant they much should. for them the last few years, <laughs> That's <though>. true. Like, <laughs> they should win the Big 12. They should go to Tuscaloosa and potentially beat Alabama. And this should be a world-beating team. Who knows what will happen? Sark's never won 10 games. Their quarterback is actively bad sometimes. Like It seems like he's point-shaving at times. So yeah, who I don't knows think that Quinn Ewers is as good as a lot of people seem to think he is. So. No, I'm, no. They, honestly, everyone I'm curious how long it takes Alabama them to game. go to Archie Manning. So. Yeah, to, to me, it's how long it takes for them to go to Malik. Uh, oh, that's true. I don't true. think Manning is going to play Manning at all out, this yeah. year. Uh, yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to. Um, but I think that's kind of where it is. That's me being as rosy as an OU fan as I possibly can. Uh, if I'm being very, very um, negative, I think OU has a lot of like 65% wins on, right. on the uh, schedule, and Kansas being one of those. And I'm just saying they win those games due to, ta- due to the depth of talent they've uh, been able to accrue on offensive line and defensive line via the portal. Now, if one or two dudes get hurt, all of a sudden it's bets off Jackson Arnold starting because the season's gone, you know, something along the line oh, at yeah. that point yeah, in time. Yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, which and I is think everybody – uh, But is... at a University of Oklahoma – Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, I, I was just going to say I think that everybody is kind of just a injury or two away. Oklahoma as a football program. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome, for those man. that thank want you. to get that want to get yeah. more of your work, kind of see what your thoughts are on the entire Big Twelve. Where's the best place to do that? Uh, best place uh, probably is just uh, on Twitter at Keyhole Sports. Uh, from there, we post all of our stuff. Our podcast is through the Keyhole. It's on every major podcast outlet. So if you listen to Spotify or anything, it's on there. Uh, if for some reason you're some weird sicko OU fans in secret. Uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole uh, we have multiple tiers where you can keep up with us we try to be funny guys we try to uh, cover college football from a different perspective you know we're not like stalking 17 year olds and figuring out where they tra- where they're going to commit to yeah, uh, yeah we just try to look at it and um you know just give our input so we appreciate it thanks for having me on andy uh yeah, it was and great. anytime uh, it. you're always welcome to come on our side awesome well that is going to do it for us today uh, Peyton, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. Uh, if, if you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, Contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network over on the Sports Social Podcast Network, the premier European, uh, you know, sports podcast network there. They have been expanding here into the U.S., and we are really happy to be part of it. Um, you can find all the great shows, though, on the 1012 Network that covers all the teams of the Big 12 Conference by going to 1012network.com. Um, once again... Peyton, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.